Hello, everyone. I'm Joseph Roberson, a.k.a. Professor Joe of both King Talk Podcast and the Professor Joe Show. And you are currently listening to King Talk, our unapologetic and transparent discussion on any and all issues related to youth sports. If there's something you would like to hear discussed, feel free to drop us a line, shoot us a DM, and let us know on IG at King Talk Podcast. That's King Talk Podcast, one word, on IG. You can also find us on Facebook at King Talk Podcast and on iHeartRadio as well as Spotify. Hey, today we are at our 40th show, our 40th podcast. I acknowledge that. We appreciate those of you who are stuck with us. Uh, and your support is most definitely uh, noted and appreciated. And all the guests who've uh, shared your insight with our listeners, we appreciate you. And I'm almost certain that when you leave, something pops up in your mind that you should have shared or could have shared. So if you want, shoot us a line, let us know, and we'll have you back on so you can share that with our listeners. All right, today it is my esteemed privilege to have with us Mr. Jeremy Mason. Jeremy, we got to clap it up for you. All right, so it's a running little, it's not really a joke, but just the reality of our situation. We're privately funded, which actually translates to we have no money. So therefore, we have applause for ourselves. Now, the benefit of being uh, privately funded, no sponsorship, is we get to do what we want and say what we want, right? Even though we're thoughtful about what comes out our mouths, right? And then um, I guess the benefit of sponsorship is you, you know, you have to address things according to how you're directed to, but then you got money. That being said, we want sponsorship. <laughs> <laughs> hey, also with us, we have Mr. Charles Johnson, who we're going to acknowledge as a doctoral candidate, Mr. Charles Johnson, and uh, we appreciate you sitting in with us as well and hanging out. Um, hey, we have to figure out and have a discussion on finishing the, the rest of our goal, orientation, motivation. So our thoughts is we should turn that into a series and just get through it and offer that to young people. We know that'd be, that's a valuable commodity. So we have to figure that out. We have to figure that out. Mr. Jeremy Mason, um, what can, is it okay to ask you, what, what sport did you play? Well, I was a football player. I started playing at the age of eight years old okay. and I played all the way up until high school. What, what, now, okay, so when you say that, and one of the things we talk about a lot is parents' roles in this, right? Mm-hmm. So did you start out at eight because you asked your parents or because your parents saw fit to put you in football? Well, or you I, was just swole like you are and they knew to put uh, you in no. Okay. Oh, no. I was, I was a skinny kid. Okay. okay. But um, when I was – my cousin started playing before me. He's, okay. uh, he's a year and a half older than me. Gotcha. And he got into playing football. He played um, – he started playing in Inglewood. Okay. And my – my mom, she liked, or she showed me pictures of my cousin playing. We okay. got to go to a game or two, and I got interested in it, so gotcha. I started playing too. All right, hey, just because you said that, shout out to Inglewood. Yeah. Shout out to one of my former teammates. You know who you are. He got his team, the Inglewood Huskies. Go Huskies. Go Huskies. What's the first position you played when you went on? I started playing at cornerback okay. and running back. Okay. One of the reasons I have to ask that is, at my age now, looking back on football, if I did it all over again, I would be a long snapper <laughs> or a punter. <laughs> the two positions none of us in the none of, no kid has an interest in. But I could go to the league potentially and never take any blows, my brother. So that's what I would do. Mm-hmm. Hey, y'all listening to me, young people? I would be the long snapper and the punter. 
and then you can't touch me. <laughs> I, I, I would chime in just a little bit. Okay, talk uh, to me, talk to me. Uh, I also played football in high school. Okay. We, I had a friend of mine who we used to give him the business in high school that he was not a very good football player. Gotcha. His position was the backup field goal kicker. <laughs> wow, okay, okay, okay. But today I call him Dr. Nooney. Wow, wow, okay, okay. Hey, and that, that means something, too. So at some point in our discussion, what I kind of get at is, um, you know, always the relationship between sports and life. One of the things I've asked parents to do consistently, consistently, as well as coaches and athletes, is, you know, I think it's important for at least um, parents and their children or their student athletes to, you know, just have open, honest discussion about what is your, what are our purposes in pursuing this so that those goals can align because parents and, you know, Mr. Johnson, that kind of goes back to um, the different things you were sharing with us last night, about uh, last week, last night, huh? mm-hmm. about, man, that means my night was long. Everything's turning into, <laughs> everything turning into a blur at my end. You've been traveling. You know? But when, um, you know, values. So a parent may have a certain value or thought process about why they put their kids in sports and what they want to get out of it. And I think it's important for us to be honest with ourselves as parents. Like, okay, we say, oh, I just want them to have discipline. I want them to have structure, him or her. I want them to have this. Or are you living vicariously through your child? And then for children, it's important because at certain ages, most young people would say they desire to compete as professionals, especially because the regard and esteem people have for professional athletes in our society and globally. Uh, Whereas at certain points, I think a lot of young people's vision or understanding of what's realistic potentially changes. When when you first got involved, what was your thought process? I mean, I, you know, I grew up watching, um, Packers my favorite team, and I grew up watching Packers. Oh, Packers, okay, okay. So when I was a kid, they were, you know, they were doing really well. Brett Favre was my favorite was my favorite player, okay. and of course, when I started playing, I of course had aspirations of gotcha. going to the pros one day, being right. a, being able to play for my team, okay. all of that. Eventually, as you were saying, things do change, and you start to get a realistic perspective of you know, is this really something that I can do? You're not really aware of all of the channels that you have to go through in order to make it to the pros, right. all of the um, just how how difficult it is and how it could be unrealistic unless you have really the talent and the connections to get there. Right, right. And there's so many things. Part of it can be physical ability, blessing. Some of it you have to work for, but there is genetics at play sometimes. Hey, before I go any further, though, I just have to ask, because technically I would think in in Inglewood, you are born into Raiders country, so to speak. (laughs) Or maybe we could say in this day and age, we could even say what? We could say Rams now? Probably. Okay, but but my brother, I think you just said, and I could be wrong, I think you just said Green Bay. Oh, yeah. And I think there's some issues. So I just want to make sure, uh, you know, my disclaimer is um, I have nothing to do with that. I have nothing to do with that. How Green Bay? Why Green Bay? You know what? I think it's because, you know, when you're a kid, you you like the team that's doing really well. So I got in with the Packers when they were doing really well and okay. you know okay. even through the hard times where they started doing they started doing not so well right. you know I just kind of stuck with them and that's just been my team since then okay hey, and Brett Favre he, he was a um, an elite level player mm-hmm. Brett we understand we understand I get it what I found interesting about him was how he had to live publicly some of the issues related to football 
um, in association with the pain pills too. Mm -hmm. And I just find that to be something that more people go through uh, than we are probably really aware because football is a brutal sport. Yeah. And I think that was a reality for me, that at a certain point I realized while actually on the field, and I think it was on kickoff return, at a certain point when the ball was being kicked off and you have to retreat and then turn around and run at someone full speed. At that moment, it was hitting me like, this really don't make no sense. <laughs> this really don't make no sense. And I think there's realities we all have to go through. The irony is, I don't think it's just with sports, though, because what I see is it happened with almost everything we have an interest in when we're young. So I have a lot of students come to me, and I'll be like, you know, we work on academic planning, what classes you have to take to meet your goal. And so upon people first arriving to college, they'll say, well, I want to be a veterinarian. And that's in part based on, I was like, you know, just in dialogue, a wide interest in that. Oh, I've always liked animals when I was a kid, this, when I was a kid, that. And I was like, okay, for sure. Okay, so let's talk about the classes you have to take. And then when we get to that general bio, that organic and inorganic chemistry, that calculus, then they start looking at me like, oh, oh, right? So I see sometimes this... Um, this lack of congruency between their their thought process about what it takes to get somewhere and the actual activities or in this case courses they're going to have to take mm -hmm. to arrive at that destination when when do you think like how old were you when you began to develop that understanding like okay well this is what it's going to take and i that might not be my mr johnson is okay to say value right. i might not value that or like mm -hmm. what, how old were you i i think i was in high school Oh, okay, okay. It's when, um, basically after my freshman year of high school playing, mm -hmm. playing football, it started to dawn on me that as much as I enjoy playing football, right. it's, not, it's not my, uh, it doesn't have as much value to me as I thought it did. Okay. And it's something that I can, as much as I like to play, I can do without so I can redirect my attention to. Gotcha to something that actually has value to me. But you still played the entirety of high school? No, I didn't. Okay, okay. I stopped after my freshman year. Okay, I got you. What was the finality? What just made you say, okay, I'm not gonna compete anymore? It was my, uh, it was my relationship with the coach mm -hmm. for, the, for the JV team. Okay. We just didn't really get along. We didn't, um, okay. our, I guess our um, directions just did not align, so I just said, okay. I just focus on my academics. Is it okay to delve into that a little bit? Because that's another thing we talk about. We've, we've always on the show, uh, as we do these podcasts, talked about everyone's role. Mm -hmm. Okay, so the parent has a role. The student athlete has a role. Referees have a role. Coaches have a role. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, that's, it's, it's a very sensitive thing because there's a lot of people who probably part ways with their interests in part because of a coach. Mm -hmm. um, without going into anything you choose not to share, is there anything you can tell us about what it was like in terms of the relationship with a coach that made you, okay, I'm ready to not participate in this any longer? Well, I think it was just me being very stubborn at the time, and, okay. I, can, okay. and I can admit that I should, I believe that I should have continued on mm -hmm. just so that I can continue to get the experience that I was getting dealing right, with right. difficult individuals or okay. difficult okay. situations that I may not want to be a part of right you know oh, wow. because okay. it's it's important to be able to still get in there and do what you have to do regardless of whether you like people or you don't like people right right um, regardless of the situation if you if you need to get in there and do it you just got to do it 
Right. And that, that's going to be important lessons because, it, again, at the end of the day, it's not just about sports. <clears throat> it's about life. And the reality is if you're an entrepreneur and own your own business and you're, doing, you're not going to like everybody you do business with, but you're going to have to deal with some of those people to facilitate your business. Mm-hmm. If you choose to go get employment, you're not going to like everybody you work with. Hey, it may be your supervisor. Um, they may have an attitude issue. It may be something about them. I think one thing I caught that you just said that I re- really appreciate too is that you still held yourself accountable when you look back on it. Like I should have proceeded forward despite that. And again, when we look at like what are some of the purposes in sports, you know, and we talk about the bigger picture of life, that is one of the things we should be doing. Like what are these skills that we're going to get from participating in sports that we're going to be able to take forward in life with us? Now, where where did you grow up? Well, I started in Watts mm-hmm. until about two years old. Then I moved to Compton. I stayed until I lived in Compton until probably about the age of twelve. Okay. Then moved back to Watts. Oh, you went hub dub on her. You went hub dub. <laughs> said, huh, that's what's up. That's what's up. You was going back and forth like it was a show. Yeah. Okay. And I think that's important too because sports, especially youth sports means different things in different communities. And a lot of times for us, uh, coming from any inner city environment, any um, um, potentially disadvantaged socioeconomic status, we're looking for sports to give us a way out. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes to keep us safe as well and create certain structure. Was any of that involved in your situation? or? Well, I had a lot of different outlets to kind of keep me, to kind of keep me going and in a decent path. I had my younger brother who, you know, me and him had a really good relationship. So okay. we was always hanging out, doing stuff together. You I said had, y- y'all always had, like you still have or? Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. I was like, was there a falling out? I was going oh, to get no, to know. No, okay. Okay. No, All right. No, so no, y'all no, always no. Hey, look, I wanted to get the news first on here. <laughs> <laughs> like, hey, just in case your brother don't know, hey, we going to let, no, I'm just like, so, okay. So you always had that positive relationship with your brother. So that was part of your support system. Yeah. And I had my, um, I, I did have football. So okay. football did keep me, um, okay. it kept, it kept me busy. Okay. But I also had my academics. Okay. Which, you know, it it also kept my focus on something that was mm-hmm. that I needed to just do. Professor Joe, do you mind if I chime in? You know, I, I wanted to also um, bring in another dynamic here in the room. Uh, you're dealing with, you're looking at a situation with three men of color, mm-hmm. or we're talking about 30s, 40s, and in their 50s. Right, right. And the question I had was was cultural boundaries and norms, because looking at things from a generational perspective, mm-hmm. and I'm sitting at the top <laughs> in this room, it always amazes me when I see young men who have cross cultural boundaries, okay. and they just take it so easy that it's just so norm. You are an amazing individual, and I know I tell you probably this. <laughs> I like I hearing it, though. I like that. <laughs> but the, but the truth right. is always easy to say. I, I appreciate that. But so is this young man. Oh, man, Because I see, I see how you cross cultural norms, even more than myself, when I was cracking it in the early 80s. Okay. Sometimes when we're talking things in a, in a, in a manner of education, sports, yeah. youth sports, yeah just our relationship, we don't take into account 
the cultural boundaries. Yeah. And when you guys say like you have just slayed. When you say cultural boundaries, so just for anyone listening, can we be specific about the, the culture? Are we talking we, about the we culture were, of age at this moment? No, or no what we're do talking we about the culture, the culture of environment. Okay. So, okay. so uh, we we've made reference two, three times that he was from Watts. Okay. He was from Compton. Okay. Inglewood. Yeah. And we laughed. Yeah. Why? Hey, I think in the same way when right, we right. talk about where you're from. Yeah, yeah. We laugh. I think it's Why? the sense of uh, for me. Why? You, you, you see what I'm saying? You, right, right, you see right. that? Yeah. Is it because we're unique? Is it because we're special? It, no, you've 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 been the men who have right, who right. have bound who have stepped through those yeah. cultural boundaries that's right. designed to keep you where right. you are, but yet somehow. You've touched on the fact that he had relationships that he may not have uh, may not have liked when he was in right, high school. Right, yeah, right. he still overcame them. But you did the same thing. Yeah, yeah. You did the exact same thing, and, and where you came from, I did the same thing as you have right. came out with me. What I've overcome in some of the right. military environments that I had to go through in order for me to achieve things. So when we start looking at those boundaries that hold us in, and the cultural things that hold us back, and sometimes it's their ceiling, sometimes it's not. I, I don't know where this takes us to yeah. the sports part of it or but when I'm sitting back looking at young men like yourselves, I'm thinking, Wow, this is the change of culture that's happening right. in America. Hey, likewise though. So and I, I can acknowledge that there's probably that exists those boundaries for people from any community in what any situation. So? Well, so? not the same, not not identical ones, but yes, they most definitely have situations they have to deal with as well. But what I was just gonna say, one of my reasons for I think I think no no I'm, no, no, no you 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 know I, I, I think one of my um, reasons that I can almost like have this moment of laughter and joy is because there's almost this unsaid understanding um, when we say what our backgrounds are that okay we've um, what word am I looking for we've um, uh, not. I don't want to say use the word surpass. I want to say transcended. That's right. Certain boundaries, and That's so the, yeah, there's yeah, almost this that. enjoyment and awareness of such. But when I said that, what I meant is um, the fact that we have all three of us based on age. So if it's okay to ask you, you are how old again? Fifty-seven. Fifty-seven, and Jeremy, you are. 31. Okay, and my age shall remain unknown. But the point is, not just like I'm okay at the age of forty-seven. Yeah. So there's both a the culture of ethnic background, but then there's the culture of age and and the errors we all that's have what I lived. Was, that's in. what I, that's what I was that that's right? what I was kind of referring gotcha, to. Gotcha, gotcha. Not not I really wasn't talking about race. Okay, gotcha. Got. I was but, talking about culture. But race. Uh, uh, can become relevant to socioeconomic can status. Can, can be, but the culture yeah. of the environment that we lived in, right? It, it kind of confines us. Yes, like, yes I, you know. Yes, and if yes. we look at our peers, and and the question I was saying, when we look at our peers, it's almost like today you can look back and you said he was holding himself accountable. Yes, well, that's yes. what I was. I was yeah, refer, referring to that. A man like you, when we have our conversations, you kind of hold yourself accountable yes, to some yes. of the circumstances and situations that you were in at a certain particular age. Yeah. And I don't think that, that that goes back to what you were talking about before, the values. Right. Well, 
I kind of I achieved a certain level of success in the military, but it was because I could hold myself accountable yes. to my behaviors and some of the, take responsibility for some of the things I did yes. and didn't do, and I had to define my values, and that's what I was kind of getting at, as in generationally, culturally, mm. how you step outside of it. I wasn't talking about. I hope you wouldn't think I was trying to say that something was wrong with the oh, no, no, no. oh no 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 I was no, talking about cultural boundaries where you say if you look at your peers, your peer yeah. group from where yeah. you came from. What is the circumstances, situations yeah. that relate to where you are today? Hey, but we also don't have to ignore the inherent disadvantages that come from living in certain communities and the experiences we have. And, and not just our behaviors, but the limitations other people put upon us based on their perspective of us. So, I, But at the end of the day, what I appreciate that Jeremy said and you just touched on again is it kind of takes me back to the um, internal and external locus of control okay. where... I don't care what the situation is. If you have an external locus of control where you go through life feeling like I'm a passive observer in life, I bear no influence on my own outcomes. I don't care if you are dealing with some things that really were beyond your control. That's right. Just focusing on life from that perspective isn't going to be helpful. That's correct. And so when I hear anyone um, speak on that, and you know, Jeremy, in another sense too, you are most definitely a grown man. You're 31 years old. And at the same time, as a 47-year-old man, there is a part of me that sees youthfulness and age and maybe from an envious standpoint, but that's just a different (laughs) discussion, right? So I admire that because I know people my age and Mr. Johnson's age who still lack the ability to be accountable, right, for their own outcomes. I had a student, I got to share this story, I had a student who was 60. And I and listeners, I don't know if I've said this story before, but I just, it's a, appropriate at this moment to repeat it, though. But um, and this was just about a year ago. And she's telling me, like, you know, I really wish I had to pursue the academic outcomes I wanted from the beginning instead of listening to my mother and just taking a major she wanted me to major in. So I was thinking to myself, like, oh, wow, when you were younger, did your mom bear that much influence on your life? Because I presume she was talking about an experience when she was a teenager. She looked at me and she was like, no, no, I'm talking about last year when I started taking it. And all I could think is, you're 60 years old, and right now you're still holding your mom accountable for what she wanted you to do as it relates to academic outcomes. So, you know, I'm using that story just to signify that, wow, there are people who at no point in their lives... um, begin to look at themselves and especially I'll say this and and Mr. Johnson you have a global perspective beyond what I think um, far beyond myself in terms of being traveled and being traveled but especially in this country despite the difficulty of circumstances that some of us have um, encountered in this society the reality is if you have global perspective you start to see how opportunity is still present for you beyond what many people on this earth will have. You know, I would just absolutely. say, you know what I'm saying? Absolutely. So, you're absolutely correct. So I would say, no matter what circumstances you're born in, into in this society, at some point you do have to look at yourself and 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 say, what can I do about it? Absolutely. Or, you know, what is it? So I, I kind of have my own admiration for hearing you say that. Well, I think this is, goes back to what y'all were talking about last week where you were talking about the different challenges that people go through. Yes. Where we have a tendency to look at other people and try to judge their situation mm-hmm. against ours instead of saying their situation is just different. From right, me. right. I have my own struggles, and these are things that I need to work with in the way that I can do it. That person has their own struggles that they have to work with and get through on their own. 
everybody has their own challenges. It's different. It doesn't minimize anybody's struggle because everybody's going through different things yes, in their yes. own in their own unique time. Right, right. Very important to know. So you said you um, freshman year you were done with sports. Okay, but and you you mentioned that you kind of understood you had your academics. Mm-hmm. So were you a good student in high school? I was getting good grades since elementary school. Okay, okay. So that was always, I guess it was always kind of um, the, um, I don't know what I would call it, but it was always just something that I did. And you I were aware doing. of, You were you aware of it? I was. So would you say that, did you growing up feel intelligent? Did you know, like, did you know like, hey, I'm smart? If I think about it, I would like to say I thought that way, but okay. I don't know. Okay. I, I have a question. Yeah. Did you use your academics as a weapon? Dang. I may have in the past. Was it, was what, it a that defense mean? of you? Was it, did you use it to defend yourself against others or to maybe attack others with your academics because of someone's perception of your intellect? I don't know because I don't know the way people used to view me. I know that people would not treat me the normal way because because I was a, an athlete so people wouldn't treat me the same as just a traditional like smart kid okay because I had the athletic so I right. could fit in with the with the athletes but also I would be able to fit in with the the non-athletes can I, can I ask you what a traditional smart kid is Oh, he going there. He went there. It's, I'm going to step away from the table at this one. No, 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 you know, right. the traditional smart kid is kind of the nerdy kid. The okay. one that is, you know, the one that gets picked on. Mm-hmm. The one that just does really well in class. Kind of, you know, kind of nerdy. Okay. Mr. Johnson, what do you mean when you said, did he use it as a weapon, though? Uh, when you see flaws in others. Okay. okay. And uh, you want to defend yourself. Yeah. Sometimes whatever tool you have yeah. is your weapon. Gotcha. Some people use their intellect as a weapon, okay. meaning that they know that they may have a set of uh, factual or mastery skills or knowledge level of beyond someone else. So instead right. of me wanting to communicate with you, I use it to gain an advantage okay. over you yeah. or to assault you in an intellectual way okay. or to make you feel less than. So I use it as a weapon against you. So when you walk in the room, I make you feel less than. I make okay. you feel smart. I mean, well, you know, uh, we're going to calculus class next week. What, what you taking? Oh, okay. Oh, we go, okay. you going wow. here. What kind of grades you got? Okay. Uh, oh, oh, I'm going here. I'm getting. I'm getting. I'm going to a UC. Uh, where you going? Okay. Uh, what you? So I use my academics as a weapon. Right. We could use. I could use my academics as a tool to create a relationship with you. Right. But if I want to defend myself, right. I use it as a weapon against you. Oh, I see that you're a good athlete. <laughs> You'll be working for me one day. That could be used as a okay. weapon. Okay. So if you if you have these internal. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah. Uh, phobias yeah. then this is about you right it's something right. called the trust bond that i don't have to go into hey, right now so it's about you but at some point we got to go into the trust bond yeah we got okay and, trust hey, bond. and was so it trust bonding or trust trust bond, trust bond. Trust bond. okay it's so an we'll, internal thing with yourself that okay. allows you to open up and receive information from others so it's like having a shield in front of you yeah so if you if you have to constantly have this shield it protects things from coming and getting you, but also yes. keeps things 
yes, and you coming yes. out. So people yes. are not receiving things. So it protects you, you from up. harm in one sense, yeah. but it also inhibits you from receiving. Absolutely. And potentially growing as Absolutely. from the stimulus you receive. Absolutely. Oh, that's deep. That's Absolutely. deep. Now, could it also be um, when you said people using it as a weapon? Um, like when people use vernacular or language specific to a field, knowing you're not going to understand it, correct. just it's to make thing. you feel like you're stupid. A- absolutely correct. Okay. A- absolutely okay. correct. A- absolutely correct. It's oh, that, wow. That, that's that, deep. That, that's deep. It's whether, you know, it, it's people use usually what they have as their own yeah. defense mechanisms yes. until they feel safe enough yeah. to communicate with you right. in a normal and me and you could talk about how we met right 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 gotcha, <laughs> gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. in the gym yeah. that we met hey, now therefore very i have to say very, I have, very interesting mm-hmm. very honest man uh, i mean just just well, but hey, likewise honest though, and pure. we had watch this so honest, even though um we were coming at that moment from different perspectives That's what correct. i appreciate is there was a total honesty on both of our parts. And that level of transparency, hey, watch this, creates trust between two people. That's what I'm talking about. Sometimes what people don't realize, it doesn't matter whether you agree on everything. It matters when someone can give you the type of honesty that makes them vulnerable rather than tries to elevate their status above yours. And because we met on that plane from that moment and that initial interaction on, there was a level of trust and rapport Absolutely. that was, um, from my perspective, wonderful to enjoy That's right. and experience. Since then, and you know what's so cool is set a tone for our relationship years later today, cool. and I appreciate that. Where when we talk, is is really about sharing. Even if one of us was trying to make a point, it still is. There's no need for us to walk away being right. That's correct. Oh yeah. So much as just having shared. Absolutely. And I correct. appreciate that. Absolutely. You know, so it's no, I, and even when we do share, it's almost sharing from the perspective. Okay, boom. That's my thoughts. Like, you know, get, hey, you could give me feedback on my thoughts. Very seldom mm-hmm. when I walk in his office am I looking for agreement. You're right. Right. V- right. Very seldom am I coming there to try to find. Do do you agree with me? And I right, will right. I will I will share with you when I talk to Mr. Mason here. Very seldom am I looking for agreement. <laughs> right, right, right. That's not I'm always. Very, I'm very seldom looking for agreement. I'm looking right. to communicate, right. and that's a learned process. Yeah. It's a yeah. It's a skill that a lot of people don't have, but we need to kind yeah. of grow a little bit. And it's it's, it's it's so deep when you say that because of this. So I got to touch on it because I just posted something on my personal social media the other day addressing something similar. And I was using the word argument. And um, so, and that's not exactly what we're talking about, but let's say we are talking about argument. I still was acknowledging that when people argue with the intent of sharing and understanding, right? So I'm sharing and receiving with the intent to understand versus the intent to, to win. Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness, my brother! It, it changes the nature of life. So, mm-hmm. for instance, there's several things they tell you. If you want to maintain a friendship, you don't talk about religion, you don't talk about politics, you don't talk about money. Well, some of the things I experience the most intimacy from discussing is politics, religion, and money. So, let's say when That's we right. talk about religion, though, one of the things I enjoy is this: growing up as one of Jehovah's Witnesses, we go knock on people's door. And, you know, and at that time, the reality is that wasn't based on my religious convictions. I was being made to do that. I was a kid. I'd rather be at home <coughs> watching Saturday morning cartoons, right? Yeah. But, you know, okay, this is what my family does. I have to go do it along with them. And I would always wonder, like, why are we standing at these people's door and y'all having this volatile, <laughs> why are y'all having this volatile discussion? What's coming to this? And it wasn't until I got it in my mind would say, uh, you know, Joe Happy is he who was persecuting the name of the Lord. And I used to think, like, okay, if you say so. Mm-hmm. 
And then as I got older, what I realized is like, no, the reality is you're going to doors. People's religion is, you know, and their religious beliefs and the indoctrinizations are the very foundation of their existence. So when you walk into people's doors, basically telling them that everything you believe is wrong, is false. And if you continue to believe in this, you're not, you're not going to find favors in God's eyes and you're destined. No, you, that is a very sensitive thing. So I began to understand like, okay, technically that's why you don't discuss religion. But the irony is I got older and distanced myself from that religion and many organized religions in general and began to search through my own experience of life um, what my belief is about a higher power, which to this day I still don't have it clearly defined. But all of a sudden, because of that, you know what I developed an interest in? Is going to other people saying like, hey, what do you believe? And I don't mean what you believe because of what you were taught. I mean like what has, so even with Mr. Johnson, like what has your experiences on this earth? What have you seen as after 27 years in the military that how do you reconcile certain things with with the creator, with the concept of of um, afterlife, of existence, of having to answer? And I'm doing that not so I can challenge someone's beliefs because I'm interested in what have you come to terms with? What is your understanding? And those are some of the most intimate, positive discussions I've ever had. And it's in part getting back to the point of me mentioning it because I'm not having a discussion with any intent of being right or proving another human wrong. I just, I just, my soul has this insatiable desire to hear through from other humans what has your experiences uh, led you to believe about such and such. Also, kind of the purpose for this podcast is getting other people present to share what have your experiences in sports, uh, potentially youth sports, led you to believe about yourself, about others about our interactions, about our existence. Which also brings me to this, I gotta do this to segue, right? We talked about your almost, we talked about values, your participation in sports. Mm -hmm. um, we kind of translated as feelings of self-efficacy, you know, feeling smart. How did, Mr. Johnson had asked you, did you use it as a weapon? Mm -hmm. Now, you are currently, if I could just get people up to speed, right? I want to get this long pause before I do to create the dramatic entrance, you know? <laughs> but watch this, man. <clears throat> you just recently completed a master's degree, and I believe it was an MBA? Correct. Okay, and does that stand for, like, you always got to get stuff. Yeah, we had master's in business administration? Yep. Okay, go ahead, man. Hold on, hold on. That's it, right? That's, that's a big deal, man. That's a big deal. Who, who can I shout out right now? Can I shout out... All of Inglewood, Watts, and Compton. Like, <laughs> like, hey, one more, one more, one more again. Come on, man. We're making progress in this world. We're restructuring um, I, a social identity, right, mm -hmm. by what we're trying to do. And I don't even mean the three of us. I just mean in general. And I think there's a pride that should come from that as it relates to what various young men are doing and demonstrating also in relationship to maybe certain boundaries that other people view um, or limitations, I should say, that certain people may view us to have. So mm -hmm. that's a big deal. What was that like getting through all that? Well, it, I guess I didn't think too much of it. Okay. It was a, um, of, course it, of course it has a challenging moment. Of course it has a challenging moment. Okay. Because, okay. you know, 
my program was a part-time program, meaning okay. that it's designed for people that are working. Yes. yes. So full-time job, going to classes two nights a week. Mm-hmm. You can get through in about two years. You can kind of go at your own pace, too. If you want more classes, you can do right. four classes a semester. But, you know, I don't know how people are able right, to do a full-time right. job and four classes. Okay. But it's, it's definitely a... Um, it was definitely a very rewarding experience. Right. Not just because of the education, but because of all of the experiences that I was able to get from my classmates and from my instructors. Okay. They were able to, like some of my instructors, they were able to give me a totally new perspective on the way business works, on the way marketing works, on mm-hmm. the way you should go about doing management, psych, you know, psych, the psychology of like research or consumers, how to do research, how to get information and translate it into a result. Wow, wow. And you can take that information and really apply it to anything. Yes. Right, because even though it related to maybe that field, you, and I may not even know the total scope of the role you fulfill on campus, Mm -hmm. but at least from my interactions, you make things happen as it relates to student programming. Like, so someone like myself, and and I'm saying this because I have, I, I come to you and let you know, hey, I have an idea, um, I would like to put on this event for students, and you've given me some very specific step-by-steps. Okay, this is what you need to do. You need to do this. You need to do this. So one of the things I appreciate about you so much is this. First of all, you never made me feel like an idiot for not knowing the process, right? Because mm-hmm. you could do that at that moment. You could be like, well, um, don't you, you know? Mm-hmm. But you've also, you so you've allowed me to maintain my dignity and come into you for help. You've never made me feel like it was being done begrudgingly where I become timid or apprehensive about approaching mm-hmm. you. And you've just given me the step-by-step plan. Okay, this is how you make that happen. And so, in essence, when I make the event happen and it services this demographic of students and it goes off well and people are looking at me like, man, look what uh, Roberson just did. The reality is I'm aware that, like, no, nah, look what, uh, you know, Jeremy just did, Mr. Johnson, and all the people who might come contribute to me trying to, um, you know, create this programming for students. So I see where you know you use those things those same skills for your work here do those uh, do those skills from that program translate to other areas of your life as well well i think one probably another area that it translates to is it translates into my ability to communicate with other people okay and i've been in here talking with charles for a long time and my interactions with other people it allows me because part of what you have to do in an mba program is you have to you'll be in a team every class that you're in right but you also need to actually um, interact during class, gotcha. meaning that you have to uh, sit up and say what you think. You have to participate. S- those are things that I didn't necessarily do well with because okay. I was a more um, a more withdrawn individual. Okay. If you <clears throat> before, if you wanted to get to know me, you know, I would have to be able to to see that. I don't know what I would have to see in you. But I was more, like, just withdrawn. I would not really interact with people. Gotcha. After going through the program and after my time here, you know, doing what I do, yeah, getting to build stronger relationships, it allows me to kind of sit here and do this right now. Gotcha. And Professor Joe, that, that's back to what you were, we were talking about before. We were talking about the shield. <coughs> gotcha. How, gotcha. How, how it can protect you, but it also yes. can keep yes. So until the shield is yes. kind of... You're able to pull the shield down a little bit, you know. Right. Maybe it was up too high. Maybe it was blocking your vision. Gotcha. Yeah, but 
tell when the shield kind of goes away and some of this, this education, we're thinking the education is there to protect us from this. The education is kind of there to take away the veneers so that you can have the courage right. to stand and be and grow and become that you that you. I'm, I'm sure in your multiple years of being a, a counselor here, you've seen young people grow and come back from as being these little things here and growing to these magnificent yes, people. Yes, yes, And you yes. saw that. You've yes. seen it probably countless times. Well, that's that's yes. that growth. And you know that when it came there, they were afraid to tell you about X, Y, or Z. Right. And they became less and less and less afraid to tell you about And they, and they threw away the shield. And some of it had to go take a few legs. Right. Mm -hmm. Take right. a few legs. Right. And But once they, well, well, the legs didn't kill me. Right. They right. stand up a little more. No, the legs didn't kill me. Stand up, look for it. You got that chill in front of you. Right. You never had to take no lick. That's deep. That's Next deep. thing you know, you know, you standing behind that shield at six, they're talking about my mother's behind me and she making decisions and X, Y, and Z. Yes. Still got it in front of you. You got to pull it down. Right. Got to take some of them. You, you been in so you, you back in the day probably throwing hands at folks. I ain't just saying you did. I ain't, I ain't, I ain't, I ain't telling Watch you this. business hey, or nothing. Hey, I ain't telling you business. I ain't saying I did. I ain't telling you business. I ain't saying I did. I'm pretty no. sure you done probably threw hands at a couple of folks and somebody probably threw some hands at you. Yeah, but yeah. But you still here. Oh, that's for sure. You still here, sure. better than the wise, sure. and you didn't, you didn't bring up the hold it sudden in front of you. Sometimes just had to. Jeremy, you was about to have a response to that. Yeah, I think it was. Learning how to allow myself to make mistakes. Yes, yes, yes. Because of, um, because of, I guess how I grew up is I always wanted to do everything right. Everything has to be done right. right everything has right. to be done exactly right. Don't make mistakes. But doing that, it prevented me from from taking chances because I was not aware. Dude. Because Dude. I would not be aware of. I know I can do this right. Mm. I know I can do this without any mistakes. Right, right. Once you once you allow yourself to make mistakes, it allows you to seize other opportunities. Hey, so the irony is in the course of these discussions, we're talking, and I just really hope people are listening and are walking away with all the potential lessons. So even if I tell young people who may be listening as it relates to their participation in sports, that lesson relates to them too as well as you have to be okay to make a mistake i Correct. see some young people who i'm like okay because you're so fearful of making a mistake right. you're making a mistake that's correct right and and you're not playing that's with right. the freedom with the courage you have to be okay to make mistakes but that also relates to coaches hey you have to allow your players to be comfortable making some mistakes hey real quick what you just mentioned about the shield too when you were uh, making some comments about myself right the irony is, even after the education, I've had people um, in my own family who, you know, and at this point, I'm unfamiliar with what their level of educational attainment was. And in one sense, it's not relevant anyway. It's just not relevant. Hey, I, I have the utmost regard for them, and I've listened to what they have to say Absolutely. because they are another human in front of me, right? So that being said, but they've entered in discussions with me. And I'm talking about this was... When this happened, I hadn't even spoken to the person in years. So the very first comments they make to me as we interact after years was like, well, you know, Joe, um, you know, I heard, uh, you know, what you've done with your education. And, you know, oh, wow, that's that's pretty impressive. But I just always I want you to remember, um, you know, just because you're educated, you know, don't mean don't think you know everything. 
you know, so you're going to have to listen. And then I, so what I want to share with you, and I was like, wow, you really had to preface that. Mm-hmm. Like, you wanted to say something to me, and to get me to value what you want to say, you kind of want to, you know, um, take these shots at me Put that were totally unnecessary. Mm-hmm. And then at the same time, the beauty of my position and my understanding, and when I say the position in life, I mean the position of my mind and my, um, my thought process is that, I could let them say that without needing to have any response. Wow. Because, all, you know, kind of like the four agreements, don't take nothing personal, Joe. What that person was just wow. saying to you is yeah. really the projection of internally what's going on with them. Absolutely. That they needed to express that to you to feel like it was going to validate what they were saying next yeah. and you would listen. And, and back to what I was saying, if you would have used your education as a weapon, right. you would have seized on that opportunity. Yeah, to yeah. take that person and let them know, oh, yeah, you want to. Yeah. Well, let me show you why that's a your problem. Yeah. And now you're taking your intellect and using it as a weapon against yeah. them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. when you could have easily done that, and you chose right, not, not to. to. That yes. was a that was a conscious yeah. decision. Yeah. Maybe unconscious. I don't know. Maybe you're so you're well, elevated enough for it to be unconscious. What it was is an awareness. Um, I've done a lot of things in my lifetime as a reaction. Mm. And at that moment, I've indulged mm. in the action as a means of my own gratification. Yeah. And then later on, I've had to experience the remorse of knowing that um, I'm an empath. So I don't, I don't choose. Can, can, I, can I challenge you on that a little bit? Yeah, am I? I look like am I? Am I trying to come out of this too clean? Yeah, <laughs> can I tell you that a little bit? Once I talk to because I, I did the same thing. Right, right. I got you. But I, I, I did it because I wanted to. I, I did it you. because I wanted the satisfaction, yeah. and I, and yeah. I wasn't right, and I yeah. enjoyed it, and I did it, yeah. and yeah, yeah. I can't tell you yeah. that it was always. Hey, but it's like this. Hey, this is what it's like, too, though. Let me tell you something. (laughs) Remember when you're younger? I'm going to tell you some real stuff. I'm sorry. This this don't necessarily relate to sports and youth sports, everybody. But I'm going to look, man. Remember when you're younger, and and especially based on certain communities, um, the men in your life have to um, give give you these impressions that they were the uh, alpha male as a youth. And and um, that they, they they was with the business. They was what. And then as you grow older, you begin to realize that like, hey, look, now I'm no longer a child. You're talking to. I'm a man, and I've been through some things in life. So if you don't make me tell you, I won't let you know that I know you a scrub. If you don't make me tell you, I won't let you know that as it relates to male, you was never an alpha. That ain't what it was. So for me, it's like. It may not be one today. Yeah, hey, no, hey, watch this, watch this. Never was, man. It never, hey, never will be. So, and, and it doesn't get validated right. by money or position. At all. So, therefore, for me, it's kind of like, if I, if I was to do this to you at this moment, I resent you because you're a bully. I don't like bullies. I don't like bullies. Yeah. Hey, watch this. If I, could, if I could define my existence, and I don't have time to do that because I have to live in intent and purpose on this earth before I lead this life, but I would spend my time bullying bullies. I would, I, there's a part of me could, that could get pleasure out of it, but instead, when I leave this earth, I need to know to some degree I didn't waste all my time and I've lived it with some intent. So therefore, a lot of times I give people a pass. I was at this, um, my son's tournaments 
um, you know, and my son's playing high school basketball right now, right? And man, there's a moment every day where you maybe it's a coach who I want to let them know, like my brother, like I kind of know you don't know what you're doing. Or maybe there's a parent. There was just father and mother. They two separate games, right? You're not talking about me, are you? No, no, I'm not at all. You're so crazy. You're so crazy. No, watch this, because can I tell you something? When you're talking, let me tell you real stuff, though. Let me tell you some real stuff. Different people talk at games. When you're talking, you're in part, whether you're aware of it or not, you participate in a joyful interaction. You're having fun with people. Because mm. if someone banters with you, it's enjoyable. You're having fun. And then after the game, you chatting with them, laughing with them, talking, okay, I'll see you later next day. Hey, yeah, good luck, gonna right? No, but there's some people who are there. These parents, I see people who, some are there to psychologically intimidate the other team. Maybe the coaches, maybe the refs. Usually it's the, the kids on the other team and the ref. So there was a woman at this game this past week and a father. Um, again, two different teams, though they weren't there together. Um, just very disappointing, my brother. And I thought, like, wow. First of all, what you don't get is if I was a coach in a stand thinking about even offering your child a scholarship, I most definitely wouldn't because I wouldn't want you within a 1,000 feet of our program. So this person, all the talking they doing is just it wasn't healthy. It, it ruined the moment. Matter of fact, watch this. This is how I became self-aware at a moment that even though I liked the young men on their team, I felt a sense of rooting against them because I wanted her to experience. Wow. The, and that's how real it is. I felt because I had to process that later. Like, dang, I didn't want them young men to win, even though I wanted them to win. I wanted them to win because I liked them and liked their game. But then she talked so much. I was like, oh, no, you got to take this L. So you walk out of this gym humble because you are arrogant, obnoxious, egotistical, and oh no, no. See, one thing you know about sports when you've participated on any level is this. There's an inherent bias. If me and you play basketball long enough, do you know one day it just hit me that, like, hold on, there's just no way that I never foul him and he always fouls me. So there's sometimes a ref make a call when I know, and I'm, he ain't just foul me, I just missed that shot. I'm going to take the call, though. Thank you. That's correct. And there's sometimes when the ref don't call that I know I just slapped it out of you. Mm -hmm. And so you begin to accept the reality of those things, and you stop with the bias of I did no harm, and they did everything wrong, and every time they get the ball, they travel. So when you hear a parent who does that, like every time the other team gets the ball, that person travels. Every time my kid got the ball, it's a foul. And then they take it to that next level of insult, of hollering at the refs, in a way that just becomes emotionally exhausting to even listen to. Oh, there's a part of me that want to let those people know something, but, but but I don't. But some of that is in a in a in a I win you lose scenario, yes, and that could be yes, from yes. from a parent. Yes. That could be somebody in business. Yes. That could be somebody leadership in sports. Yes. That could be some of their leadership in executive positions. That could be some of their politicians. If it's a I win you lose scenario, meaning mm -hmm. that I'm not I'm not just right. It's that. I win and you lose. Yes. Meaning that the only way for me to have feel good about myself or feel any measure of success, you have to not have success. Yes. And yes. that's the only thing that I think is yeah. winning for me. Well, that's a level of education and growth. So sometimes when you meet people that may be, this is a, it's tough to say, but it's just it's what I consider a truth. When, you, when you're dealing with that level of 
ignorance. And when I say ignorance, I'm not trying to be disparaging it. Or insulting. Insulting. But it is ignorance. It's, it's an ignorance of, of, I don't know better. Yes, yes. Than to act and perform this way. I'm not doing it because I'm bad. I'm, I'm really doing it because I just gotcha. don't know better. Right. And, and therefore, this kind of behavior is something I'm used to. It's what I know. It's what I use in order for me to navigate what my existence is. That's an education, and you deal with it a lot. Yeah. I see you dealing yeah. with this, not only a parent, student, well, administrator. Well, I think that that's something really important that I learned from you is situations are what they are. If you if you win, it's still an experience. If you lose, it's still an experience. Right, right. Regardless of the out, the outcome is what it is, and you can take it however you want. Right, you can take right. it as a growth opportunity, or you can take it as a slight against you. Oh, I lo- I lost this match. We lost the game. I you know I did so bad. Right. Or it could be you know what. You know we performed as best we could. We just gonna win this time. Right. We'll go back and figure out what we can do next time. And then that's a, the depth of understanding about life where. The scoreboard doesn't really determine who won. You feel me? Mm-hmm. The score, the scoreboard, and that's what people also need to walk away with. So, in 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 wrapping up, that's that's what I would like to be my last thought. Is like the scoreboard doesn't always determine whether it's a win or not, because through every circumstance in life, it can be a win if you walk away with the right lesson and understand how to implement that moving forward to better your life and to contribute to the well-being of others. That being said, oh, yeah. Jeremy Mesa, my, my king who just walked away with his MBA, if this was an opportunity to share something meaningful, whether it's with a young person involved in uh, youth sports, parent, coach, whatever, if this was this opportunity, we'd be like, you know what, this is what I would want them to understand moving forward in life. What would it be that you would share with someone? Well, I got two things, but if it's one, I would have to say, damn. Share the two. You got 60 seconds. You got one minute to share the two. I would say, number one, it's important to to be able to see yourself. That's that's something that I always struggle with is not being able to see me and accept me. The second thing that I want to say is don't be afraid to... To mess up. Obviously, you don't want to walk into a brick wall that you see in front of you. Right. But don't be afraid to venture off just because you don't know what's out there. Okay, that's it. He has the last word. Hey, that being said, um, we we have to uh, have some more discussions because my brother, I'm I'm kind of uh, I need to hear the more in depth understanding of what it really means to see yourself. I need to understand that. So. That's what we need to touch on. Thank you for being present. Mr. Johnson, we appreciate your presence as always. Thank you, sir. We, we, do need, we need to work that out where we get the rest of the um, goal orientation motivation. So listeners, hopefully I'll get that done. And that's a wrap. You just witnessed three kings talking. Thank you for tuning into King Talk. See you next time. Actually, I won't see you, but you get the point.